to Mbappé! What a great day it's been for him! So you want this confidence oozing through his veins. Yeah, tap it with the football tap. It's the number one podcast. Yeah. With a football at, tap in with the football tap. Yeah. Tap in with the football tap. Guru. Tap in with the football tap, like a spinal, or it could get messy like Lionel. Them other podcasts throw back like a vinyl. The guru, he the goat, so it really ain't no rivals. Podcasts about passion, barely dollars. My favorite, Ronaldo, Jamal Musala. Football tap, it should be on your radar. Come and kick it with us, like Neymar, Sadio Mane, or Erling Haaland. Either way, the football tap, prime time. Yeah, now take that to the bank with you. The guru, he don't talk, he just paint. Vividly, so come and see what he's saying. Highlights and more, you never get bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never get bored. Football tap, the number one source. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Yeah, yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Guru, football tap. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. Yeah. With the football tap, come and chill with the groove, cuz football back, yeah. Oh, good evening, everyone. Um, welcome to the football tap. I'm Ryan, joined by Elliot. As always, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you? Oh, I'm great, but. Before we start with the football, which this is football related, yeah. Um, can the USA women make themselves any more unlikable? Wait, what? What happened now? Oh, did you not see what the captain said? She said uh, that all American soccer fans are stupid and they have no knowledge of the sport. Yeah, Lindsey uh, Horan. Apolog- yeah, she did apologize and. T- I get what she was trying to say. It just came off as as a little ignorant. But I understand the point she's trying to make. I, I think she was speaking to more or less the the differences between French uh, football stuff and American football stuff. But it, I think it just came off the wrong way. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, but I, I you still I, I still don't think you can come out and say that though. It's the it's you the way I mean? she it's the words she used. If she yeah. said something the American American um soccer fans don't understand the game as, as well as other fans, fine. But it, it's just the word stupid, I think, that that got people sort of uh, riled up about it. Um, I understood what she's saying, but it just came off bad because of the way she explained herself. And then she, she apologized, which, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. But if, if that's what she believes, she shouldn't, she should just uh, stood her ground on it and deal with what the consequences or the reaction is going to be from everybody else. Um, because obviously she meant what she said and she had to apologize because probably someone told her to, to, to do so. But no, I, I agree. It came off wrong because it was implying that American uh, 
uh, soccer fans don't don't know the game, which is, I don't think is fair. I think there's a lot of people in this country that know the game. There's also a lot that are dumb, but I, I think it's unfair to put them all in the same box the way she did with, with some of her comments. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, you know, and I do have to give her credit. She did make good. She did pop, which I think is a big deal. I think coming out in a minute that you're on is a big deal. But let, let, I get back to the question. <laughs> when um the new head coach takes over, I don't think incidences like that would have happened. Would you agree? No. I mean, I've talked at length about Emma Hayes. She's a no BS individual. You know, the, you see the way she talks to her team. She in in for uh, the interpre- interpretation from the U.S. media would consider her her tactics in terms of leadership and the way she speaks to her team as um, as uh, not discrimination but um, but harassment. You know, <laughs> so I think that Emma doesn't take BS. You look at the trophy cabinet. I mean, if if you knew nothing else but her CV. That's enough to know that she's not going to tolerate this sort of thing. Now, I think that said, it was a dumb thing to say. You know, I agree. But at the same time, um, that's one of her key pieces. And so I think that's a conversation that would, I think, be positively effective on it uh, coming off of of the comments and sort of controlling um, the message and sort of getting getting through to her to a certain extent because this team can't go forward that without Lindsay midfield because yeah. you throw Lindsay out of midfield what do you have you have a 19 year old who plays for PSG who has yeah. one appearance one appearance on the national team you got the most overrated player in the history of football Rose Lavelle <laughs> yeah um DNA, yeah and then you have but the, the like the thing is the attack is all right um I mean it took some shots about Alex Morgan earlier this week. But outside of Alex Morgan, they're 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 loaded in that area. The midfield's the problem, and there's there's you know there's a couple of players that there's 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 people there are players that are defined there, which is Lindsey, um, Albert, and that's probably it at this point. Where it's a, a definite you know these are players part of the future. Now there's other players coming through who will have have roles in that area, but haven't haven't really kind of come forward and. And become that, but then you have obviously a couple other ones that could break into it, and then there's couple there's like two other ones that I see that um, are hanging onto a thread. Um, for example, a little off topic, but Ashley um, Sanchez, she's got one year to make to get him to to move to a, to a big club. She's got one year because otherwise, what she's sort of the value in that national team in the midfield is going to be deteriorated if these players are not playing against the best. And I know the NSWSL are getting some bigger players um, from Europe, but the players they're getting from, from the European leagues and they're celebrating a lot of it. And they're saying, Oh, we're coming now. Uh, But the players that they're actually getting from those leagues are players that aren't starting for their teams in those leagues. They got one big splash and everyone else who's come over from that, uh, from that league are, are from Europe are, are players that were not getting game time. Um, sure. Then on the, on the flip side, we have the guy, the girls in Europe, and then we have Emily Fox, who just went to Arsenal, who's already done well. We have um, um, Mewis, who just went to West Ham. So there's positive things. But the thing is that with with everything that happened with Lindsay and what she said, is that in that situation, 
again, Emmy's not there yet. She's still with Chelsea for the rest of the season. But when that situation comes to arise, it needs to be handled appropriately. And I think Emma will be able to do that because if you lose Lindsay in midfield, you have no, you have no backbone there because again, I love um, Corbin Albert. I think she's the future of the national team in midfield. I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable giving all the uh, attention and all the pressure on a 19 year old. So Lindsay kind of is part of the puzzle, at least for the, for the short term future. And Again, it's bad. Because, it's a bad look, not because of what she said, but also who she is in relation to the national team. She's one of the players that is in Europe, one of the players who has has herself on the best, one of the best players on, on the current national team. She should know better for doing this sort of stuff because of where she plays, who she plays with, who she plays against, stuff like that. But I'm, I'm glad the, the situation has calmed down. And even though I understand what she was trying to say, it came off it came off bad because of the way she phrased it. And I think just the way it's kind of boxing everybody into the same box. Um, now there are players, there are people that don't in, in, in the U S that don't understand the game, but there's still a lot that do. And I think that's the missing component of her message in the way it came across, at least from my viewpoint. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, so whenever Hayes does get in, what do you think the first change she'll make? I think she's going to make some – there are players on the national team who will not will not be a, a part of it again. I don't know who those people are, but I think she's going to figure out very quickly who's going to be able to tolerate this sort of football, this sort of pressure, um, and then who, who is not. Um, I also think she's going to identify who she's building this around because I think that's the first thing – Anna Hayes obviously needs to change the relationship with the national team to the rest of the world and the way it's being perceived correctly at this point, I think she's going to try to uh, to make this a, a national team that people can actually get behind and stuff. And it's a big job to do. She's not winning the World Cup first time at it. Um, but I do think that um, as, as much as getting the, 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 the toxic um, components out, I think she'll also um, schedule um, national team games in hostile environments. Um, and I don't know where that is, but it's somewhere difficult to play to obviously because with the team, how many players are not playing in Europe? Those players are not playing against the best and they're all, they're also not in the most difficult environments. I think she's going to put those players in difficult environments. So if they're not playing against the best, we're going to see them again in those sort of environments um, and also figure out who's, who are we building around this thing around? And I think she's going to pick three or four players. Those are going to be the, the those are going to be the pieces that everything will be built around. Um, now I don't know exactly what her plans are with that, but I think she's going to pick three or four that these are these are my girls, and we're going to make decisions down the stretch and down the road uh, with this national thing. Everything that we do is going to be dictated behind the four that I pick or the five that she picks. But obviously, getting the toxic energy out is going to be a big part of it as well. But I think, but I think the main picture is she's going to pick her four that she's going to ride with, and then then she's going to fix the toxic stuff. Then she's going to schedule more difficult games, and then I think I really I don't know what she's exactly going to do here, but I I think she's going to try to get more of her girls uh, over there in Europe because I, I don't think they can win at a high level if your best players are refusing to go. Like Sophia Smith is refusing to go, you know. And again, with all respect, because she's a fantastic player. 
But the she reason she's not going going or hasn't thought about going is because her um, partner, her uh, boyfriend, plays in the NFL uh, at the Arizona Cardinals. So it's going to be difficult, uh, whatever, uh, for her from that standpoint because of the distance. And I, th- I think I still think she needs to make that move because she's too good to be standing where she is. And then uh, Trinity Rodman, who I. <laughs> I'm starting to get annoyed with her. Sophia's younger, and she's only been on, on the scene for a couple of years. Trinity Rodman's been on the scene for more than a couple of years. At this point, she's got to make that jump. The problem is she's the highest-paid player in the league, and as long as she's the highest-paid player in the league, I think she's not going to make that jump because of the financial benefits of it. And to me, based on her, her behavior, it would appear to me that she's not doing that for that reason. And I think she needs to just put it aside. You got your cash on that deal for a couple of years. Go and yep. go and test yourself. I'll have you anywhere. I mean, it doesn't not anywhere, but for the for the most part, if if you end up in the top five leagues in Europe, regardless of team, I think that helps everyone. And I think that's the message that's going to be eventually conveyed with the team. But again, ninety percent of the team is not playing in Europe, so it's not like Emily Hayes is going to come in and refuse to play players that are playing in the U.S. She's going to slowly try to get these girls to make that jump. Uh, but I think the, the pieces she's going to pick for her team to be built around are going to be the pieces that are in Europe, young, and then young, really young players in the WSL who potentially have the resources to go jump uh, in Europe. And there's also an NWSL player that, again, I think she should be in Europe, but um, I forgot her name. I think her first name is Taylor. Taylor something, but she is um, physically six foot. I think she's like six foot three. So I think that's also going to be a part of it is using the players that have huge physical advantages or athletic advantages against the other uh, sort of opponents that they're going to end up against. And I think using someone with that height, but she's going to pick her to her three or four girls that she feels comfortable with. And she's going to make all the decisions off of that. But then, then you're going to see the leadership of Emma Hayes change the 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 um the team naturally if that makes sense no it does um so Bayern Munich (laughs) first of all I'm so happy they're losing just because I hate Harry Kane and I hate the English media oh I I gotta go into the English media thing but go ahead look man Tuchel it was a bad hire me and you both said that from the beginning um, yep. he got very lucky last year winning the title uh, when he shouldn't have even taken over at all. Let's be honest here. Um, and he ended up winning the title because Dortmund fell flat on their face. And Jamal uh, Musial's right foot. That's another reason. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, if you look at this, I, he can't survive past this season. I mean, it's he's the, he's the coach that breaks the streak. I'm sorry. What don't you say he's fired after this year? Yeah, but I don't think they do it now because there's no reason to do it now. The, the fact of the matter is, that as difficult as you want to, this is a difficult situation. It's not getting better. But the fact of the matter is, you can't make that move now because it's not in your control. You can't actually realistically, you know, bounce back from the position you're in against everyone because you're fighting against a team that's not losing any games. So they're eight points clear. You bring in Jose Mourinho, for example, who's been reported. I don't think he'll do it. But but if you bring in a high-level manager now, it doesn't make any sense because the team is going to go through changes. 
and your t- the trophies are not in your is it's not in your control. Leverkusen is eight clear. They of all the teams that they they've the team the most difficult matches they have left is Dortmund, Stuttgart, and I think that's uh, the, maybe there's one other one, but I think uh, for the most part they the, the 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 basically the two most difficult teams for for them to beat would have been Leipzig and Bayern. Bayern they played twice. They uh, won one and drew one. They beat uh, Leipzig twice. So what you have left is Stuttgart, who's I don't think they're they're going to be able to beat uh, a Leverkusen. Then you have um, Wolfsburg, but not, Wolfsburg aren't going to beat Leverkusen either. So basically, the, the schedule that they have left set up. Dortmund could be a tricky one, a really tricky one. They I don't think they'll lose that one. Like I said from the beginning, from basically January, they're going to lose to a team in the bottom five. Because that's what always happens with, with teams like this. Or they'll go unbeaten. So my prediction is lost to Bochum or uh, unbeaten season. But um, getting someone new in now is like not going to accomplish anything because you're already so far behind that even if they drop a point or two, if they, if they lose one game and they keep winning the rest of them and Bayern uh, you know, just win the rest of the game of the season, it's still they're still from behind. So getting rid of Tuchel now, and bringing someone else in with, I don't know, less than 15 games left, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Since they're in such a bad position, you're not going to overcome what's what's in front of you right now. Yeah, and I don't know. I just think it's hilarious that the media won't put any of this blame on Kane. It's Obviously, it's not his fault that they're losing. It's not his fault, you know. Well, you brought the guy in to be a difference maker since Robert left, and he's done, has not been a difference maker. Nope. And the fact of the matter is, in the biggest games of the season, when Bayern Munich have needed him the most, he's put up bad performances. Lazio, bad performance. Uh, today he was he was he scored a goal. He was okay, but pretty bad performance. Um, against Leverkusen, invisible. First time against Leverkusen scores one goal is invisible. That he's got that great game against Dortmund. But Leipzig was bad. So you look at you look through all the t- the the possibly big games that they've asked from him, he's not performed. And I don't think it's fair for the English media after Lazio and after Leverkusen to sit up on their horse and say, oh, Harry Kane's not working because uh, because he's not getting service. I mean, the guy to his right has the second most assists in Europe. The only guy with more assists than Leroy Sané is Florian Wirtz. That's it. I'm behind him, he has probably the best dribbler in the game. Um, and then to the, to his left, he had, I mean, the, he's got quality around him. So I, I don't, I don't buy, Oh, Harry Kane isn't, can't be blamed because he doesn't have service. Now Tuchel has to blame because he's not handling this team correctly. He's not playing the team correctly, but you can't, you can't just say that Harry Kane doesn't deserve any blame because he's getting chances in these games. He's just not coming through with them. You know, he started the season, his numbers are great, but it took him a, a month and a half for him to be a top three striker in the league. Now he's probably still a, he's probably a top three striker in the league right now, but he's no longer a part of the player of the season conversation. Now, I don't know who they're going to give it to, uh, but he should not be considered for this award because of the other players and what they've done this season in the moments they've come up and, and come up big and. Harry Kane's not been a flop. He's done very, very well for himself. Scoring great goals, 
But in the biggest moments, he's not played well enough other than Dortmund. So, you know, to say that that's the Kane can't be blamed because of service, he has service. He's just not putting them away. And it's showing the people that are actually saying that are not watched. Maybe they watched the Lazio game, but they, did not, they didn't watch the games prior to that. And I think that's a big problem. And you can't just say that he isn't, he's, he can't be blamed or he, you know, whatever. He, he does deserve a fair amount of blame. And so does Tuchel. And so does a lot of other people. But he, you know, he's not, he doesn't get, he doesn't get eliminated blame because he's Harry Kane and he's English striker and he's got good numbers. Yeah, that's, that, that's too far from me. Yes, very good. Um, by the way, that Lazio match, <laughs> do you think Lazio will go through? Oh, no, I still don't think they will. Um, they did it in clock. I mean, it'd be a bad day for you if they do. Uh, they're not going to win the Champions League, so I'm <laughs> too worried about it. Um, I mean, they could go through, but uh, they won that game in the classic Lazio fashion and of Kiro Mobley penalty. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how they knock teams out and when, when things get tense. Uh, they played well to their, to their credit. They played really well. Um, um, and one of their best performances of the season. Um, but that's the only goal they scored. You would have thought they would have opened it up a little bit more, and they had chances to, to kill it, and they didn't. So that's why, that's why yeah. I think they'll, they'll still find a way to flip it around. And, and finally, probably go through, maybe Lazio go through, but I, I think it'll be tough. Um, but then, you know, obviously, Lazio, after playing so well, comes up against Bologna and gets, gets rocked uh, either today or yesterday. I don't know. I don't remember, but. And so their Champions League positions at Jeopardy too. So maybe because of their Champions League position, they're just going to go. They're going to throw everything at Bayern, and maybe they get to a quarterfinal. But uh, it's unlikely that they can get past that point. Now, if they get to the semifinal, they start to get scared. <laughs> but I, I do think that Bayern will probably flip it around. But if they play the way they have been playing, yeah, it's, it's not looking good because they lost to Bremen. Bremen now, now all of a sudden doesn't look like a bad loss because they're they're all the way up in seventh somehow. Um, yeah. Then they lost to Bolcom, the same team they scored eight against in the first the first time. Um, and then obviously losing. I mean, everybody's losing Leverkusen, but but to lose the way they did against Leverkusen, I think is is tragic. So yeah, and then um, Opacano has gotten red cards in back to back games today and uh, against Lazio. So. You know, they're going to shoot them. If if Bayern Munich shoot themselves in the foot, Lazio will find a way to win the game. But if mm-hmm. Bayern can avoid doing something as idiotic as what we've seen lately, um, then they, I think they'll still go through. But I, I don't think I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they go through. But Bayern Munich, I, I can't see Lazio going to Munich and getting something. Now, I could see Lazio getting a clean sheet, like a 0-0 in Munich, and it'll be enough. But as far from a Lazio perspective, how they're going to advance, I think that's the only way because I don't think they can – they can't play the way they did um, in Rome against them because if they if they press and they do what they did against Bayern at home, they do that in Munich, I think they're going to get they're going to get um, punished for it. But I think if, if they defend well and do – and try to keep everyone in check, I think there's a chance that they could get a goalless draw and, um, and uh, get through. But I still think Bayern probably – manage to do it yeah but that's the advantage they have though mate all they have to do is get a draw i mean it could be 2-2 on a couple classic giro goals um but 
Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I still see Byron going through. I think Byron won the next game probably 2-0, 2-1. Um, but 2-1, that takes some extra time, so you never know there. Yeah, it's um, it's just about mistakes because if Latu make one mistake against Bayern Munich, and, you know, I, I just think it's going to be difficult to overcome that because they get that first goal, then Bayern will get fired up. Maybe we'll see a Jamal Musiala uh, masterclass game, um, which I think is probably the most likely possibility. They'll keep it close, but I, I just don't think they're going to be able to hold on. Sure. Hey, um, what did you think of the Roma match today? Um, it, it was good. Um, the first um, half, I wasn't too um, too happy with. Um, I mean, they were they were down our throats the whole time. Um, but it was sort of a blessing in disguise. Because uh, Miles Savar, oh, he played unbelievable. The kid was making every save that was in his direction, especially in the first half when they had he made the save, and then there was the follow up, and then the third follow up for him to be able to handle that moment really well and be able to handle it. Great. I think I want to see him start the rest of the season now, um, because I don't. Ideally, I don't want to spend twenty five million on a goalkeeper, because we have other issues and other things we can strengthen. Um, but, uh, so I want to see if we, if this kid has it, if he can be consistent this rest of the season, we don't have to go buy a goalkeeper because the the ones that are being floated, I'm not interested in them. (laughs) So I would rather give him a shot. Now, if we we need to get a goalkeeper, we can get a goalkeeper, but I think what we've seen today, he has the possibility and potential to do that. It was good, good in the Rotterdam uh, on Thursday. It was good today. Um, and then obviously, Roma get that first goal and he just kind of flips everything. Um, I mean, it, it was an unbelievable goal and Juventus just tagged another 15 million on his asking price just because he scored that goal. So it's not, it's an unfortunate one because it was such a good goal and Roma want to buy him on a permanent deal uh, this summer. Um, after that sort of goal, he may, they may jack up the price a little bit, which I, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just inevitable. Um, but after that, we kind of settled into ourselves. Even though they had a lot of the ball in the second half and they had a lot of chances, um, Roma were just really strategic with the way they handled and controlled that second half. Obviously, the uh, they get a late penalty, and before that, they had the Cristante uh, save that that, uh, that Usman picks up and puts in the back of the net. Um, Dybala, I, I don't know if he played. He, he may have played a, a small amount. He didn't play much. Bolve didn't play at all. Um, I think – Ideally, that's being done because of the second leg on, on Thursday. Um, and then obviously, uh, but my big thing was um, um, Tomasi Blazini, or I, I'll, I'll learn how to pronounce his name. But um, that was a big acquisition in the last hours of the transfer window. He gets his first start. I thought he was absolutely excellent. And uh, Roma's midfield is set for the foreseeable future. But overall, I thought that Frozenone did well. They put, put us under pressure a lot. But I thought defensively and um, in goal, um, we did well. And we scored when we needed to. And De Rossi made some really bold, ballsy um, uh, choices. He, he drops uh, Lukaku at halftime. No one ever takes Lukaku out uh, because he's capable of scoring. And even though uh, Dean scored that unbelievable goal, he was the worst defender in the first half, um, overshadowed by that great goal. Um, he takes both of those out. He makes the right uh, decision to – to adjust his team, and I think overall, you have to be happy with it, and that's uh, that's another clean sheet. So I think you have to like what you see. Again, it's 
it's not the most difficult opposition, but they said the same thing about Verona and Juve. Juve uh, couldn't beat them. So, um, yeah, it's a good start. And I think the more we start playing this way, I think the more likelihood that De Rossi will be given a fair chance to to build something long-term, not just this season. Yeah, well, you know, the atmosphere for Noje was brilliant today, too. Yeah, great, great fans. All right. Um, so, interplay at Atletico Madrid Tuesday, Slaughter, I assume. It's at the um, San Siro. I'm going to say probably like a 2-1. They'll, they'll be able to win the game, but, you know, Simeone's former inter, um, and obviously um, that could play a factor, and he's, he's going to be a tough out. And Inter's form in the Champions League hasn't been great. It's been all right, but they they finished second to uh, Sociedad, which that never should have happened. All due respect to Sociedad because they were – I thought they did really well in the first half against PSG the other day before Mbappe does, does his thing. But, um, yeah, I, I do think it, it's going to be tough because Griezmann also – in these sort of moments, in these sort of games, always seems to show up in a big way, and he's been really spectacular this season. But I do think Inter, they have too much quality not to win a game like this. Um, Lataro has scored a couple goals in the, in the Champions League, but he hasn't really opened up yet. And I think um, I think this is a game where he might be able to. But I do think that Inter, um, Inter will win the game, but Atletico will remain alive going into the second leg. But I do think that... Uh, Inter have have the capacity to go uh, to to take a huge step forward against Atletico Madrid side that is good, but they don't have the the depth and quality that um, that Inter have. Bar Alexis Sanchez, uh, outside of him, again, no disrespect, but um, outside of him, Inter's benches you can they can pick five or six different guys that can come in and change the game, and um, yeah, so Inter should get the job done. And they've been playing so well this season, and I think they should be going to the final. So they, they have to get through a team like Atletico Madrid. Um, but I think because of some familiarity between the two sides, it's, it's going to be tougher than than it should. And Griezmann is also uh, going to be key there because of how good he, he can be at his best. But I do think Inter will find a way through for sure. Hey, speaking of PSG, so we know Mbappe, the whole situation about him leaving for Madrid. Do you think they can win the Champions League this year? PSG? Yeah. No. I mean, there. I like. I like a lot of PSG's side. I'll, Emery, Zaire um, Emery in midfield is great. I think Kulumwane has 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 shown some stuff. I really like that the Bradley kid. Bradley, I forgot his last name. The guy who scored the the um, second goal um, is good. I like the center back they just brought from Brazil. They have good components to their team. Um, but, uh, and yes, they went on to win the game and did well in the second half, but in the first half, they were getting crushed. You know, if, um, uh, Mikel, uh, Mario doesn't hit the, doesn't hit the bar and it's an, an inch lower, they're going into the second half of that game behind. And obviously they come through and, and they, they do what they're supposed to do. But I mean, Kubo and, and, um, I mean, particularly Kubo was giving them absolute nightmares, so when they get – I do think they'll finish the job, but when they get deeper into this competition, quarterfinals and beyond, there's going to be players like that that can cause them a great deal. And even though Luis Enrique has his moments, it's going to be really difficult for them to, like, 
overcome what we all have seen PSG be in the Champions League. Um, obviously, Mbappe is having a historic season, um, but is but this is the same team that couldn't beat AC Milan, who's even though they're in the Champions League place, have not been great this season. They've they got rid of a guy who now has 16 goal contributions um, this season in all competitions for Atlanta. The three guys they have brought in together to replace him has less goal contribution than he has by himself. Then you look at the way they handled some of the games. The Udinese game, even though they won, was was chippy. Monza today, they lost. Um, so to, they lost to that AC Milan side who has quality but haven't been the AC Milan side that has been more consistent in the past years, even though Pulisic has done well and stuff like that. Then they lost to Newcastle United who beat the crap out of them. And even though Newcastle United has the money and has top players and can be very good, they're still not in the Champions League race. I mean, I'm going to say they're not in it, but they're not in the picture as, as far as I am concerned um, of actually being able to, to qualify. So they, they struggled against Sociedad in the first half. They got crushed by, uh, by Newcastle United. They got beat by AC Milan. All of the teams, the, the team that they will play – if when they get through to the quarterfinals or if they get through the quarterfinals, will be more difficult opponents than all of those. Um, so I, I don't think they can go on the, uh, the huge run and win it, but I could see them going to a quarterfinal or semifinal, but I don't think they can actually get their hands on the trophy. And I think it's, it's going to take something really uh, miraculous for them to be able to do that, even in the future, because of what their past uh, has told us. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, Unless Mbappe does not, he's the key though. Um, speaking of him going there, is this PSG team going to be better than the MSN team? I'm mean, not that Real Madrid team going to be better than MSN. I won't go that far, but what you're, let's see. So what you're looking at is Mbappe, Vinicius, Rodrigo, probably front three. Yeah, uh, depending on how they do it. You have uh, Chouamani, Valverde, Bellingham, Modric Cruz for the moment. You have um, Rudiger, um, Mendy, Carvajal, and um, the other guy, the Brazilian. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. Um, I can't think of his name, but but that guy too. Um, I forgot his name. It's really bugging me, but but – then you have that you're gonna, you know, possibly get Mbappe for free, which means that the money that they would have spent to try to get Mbappe, they can try to to um, get go sorry, go after Mbappe, not Mbappe, um, go after Musiala or Verts from Leverkusen or Bayern. Uh, c- considering the situations those those two guys are in. Virch is probably going to win the league, probably going to win player of the season. He would have completed German football for a large extent because I think they're going to win the Europa League and I think they're going to, they're going to win the German Cup. Of the semifinals, only one Bundesliga team other than Leverkusen left in it. Um, so, they're, you know, so they're going to win everything. Does Virch want to come back another season and try to push in the Champions League and get, an, get another piece of silver? Possibly. But that's, that's something that Real Madrid would think of. Musiala... Coming off a horrible season with Bayern, he's already proven to be 
at his, you know, in his age group, one of the best and one of the best dribblers in the, on the planet. That's something they could do. But the money that they, they were going to spend on Mbappe, they can now try to put together and, and formulate a, a different uh, a target. And you get Mbappe for free wages, of course, but and you, you go out and get a big star. So if they get Musiala and that midfield turns into uh, Musiala, Chumani, and Bellingham, I mean, that's as good as it gets. The attack is is um, Mbappe, Vinicius, Rodrigo, and you have that young uh, kid who's who's going to be coming up soon as well with uh, Endrick, the, the Brazilian guy. And you, you have still your Courtois is coming back next year. Yeah, it's good. Like from top to bottom. So I don't think MS the like the, the attacking part of that team is not going to be better than MSN, but the collect the, the team from top to bottom, even if they don't get most of the verts, I think is probably going to be better than the Barcelona team of that uh, 2015 season. But collect as a whole team, I think they could be better, but not attack by itself. Yeah, very good. Um, it'll be very interesting. <laughs> So this is like Inter's only chance to win. They need to win the Champions League this year. Yeah, I, I think so too. Because who's who's going to beat them? If you think really think about it, Bayern's not going to do it. Can City Man City's win? not good. Man City's not. Uh, good I'm going to come up. Go ahead. They're not good enough. They drew to Chelsea over the weekend, and honestly, Chelsea should have beat them. Um, it was one-one. Chelsea had the lead. Uh, Man City clawed it back at the death, of course. But yeah, so Man City is not going to win the league. I think I think Arsenal's actually going to win the league. By the way, after seeing that match, I know Liverpool need to slip up one more time, but I yeah. I don't think I think I don't think Arsenal will lose the rest of the season in the league. Wow, really? Bold. Yeah, I don't think it's bold. They they and I know we haven't played against the best competition, but we beat Liverpool three nil, and then we came came out there and we we scored. Ten, ten past two games have been five goals. So, you know, yeah, I I think it's our year. I think it's it's you or Liverpool, and with Klopp gone, I think Liverpool has a good chance. But but you you very well could be correct. Um, and then if you know if you go win the league, it'll be a rare um occasion where um the the Jaka uh, Rice thing will have worked out perfectly for both. Kind of like, um, in my opinion, a Hoyland and um, and the Alanta deal has worked out excellent for both. So if they, if they both win leagues, I think it will it will vindicate that it was the right decision for Jaka to go back to Germany and the right decision for um, Arsenal to get Rice. Yeah, I'm so happy for Jaka though. He deserves unbelievably it. happy for him. He deserves it. Yeah. Um. All right. So, here here's a big one for you. We're looking now at, I think this is Inter's last real chance, just because of what's coming at Real Madrid, to win the Champions League. Yeah, probably. Do you think Inzaghi's in trouble if they don't win it? I mean, I know they gotta, they're got they going to win Scudetto again, but or does this go back to your thing where you were telling me that Inter fans, all they want care about is winning the Italian trophies? Yeah, I, th- I think that... Um... Especially now, I don't think they, they would have the uh, capacity to say, we're going to put pressure on you now because you didn't win the Champions League. The fact is, I mean, it's a great thing that Inter 
could not maintain what they did after Conte initially, they should be going for their fourth in a row, honestly. Because, again, respect to Napoli and respect to, obviously, AC Milan and and the teams that have, have done well. But you could easily explain and break down why Inter should have won instead. Because if you look at that first season after Inzaghi comes in, they have they have the team that they have. They have that mistake they make in the Bologna game where the, the, the goalkeeper throws the ball into the guy's foot. They they win that game, they win the league. They lose that game, they don't win the league. So they lost that game, they lost the league. The next year, um, obviously, uh, they started so bad in the league. If they start better in the league, if they if if they even win. Uh, if they win the, you know, I don't know how many games, but if they had won half the amount of games that they did at the start of the season, they won an extra couple three, then Napoli and, and Inter are much more closer and Inter potentially could have gone out to do it and beat Napoli. And this year they're obviously going to win the league. But um, they really could have won, Not maybe not the Napoli year. The Napoli year was going to be tough because of how hot they started and they just wouldn't take no for an answer. But the AC Milan year, they should have won. Last year... Napoli, fair enough, and this year. So they should really be going for three and four. Um, but instead, they just have the one from from Conte's um, Inter and all that stuff. And and with the way Lataro is playing, I think this is the best chance they're going to have. I mean, he's breaking Inter records every every single game. He passed the Vieira, and he recently passed the Cardi. So now I think he's six all, all time now, and I think he's he's within range if he stays another five to seven years at Inter. For a second on the list. Number one is going to be hard to break, but he can really break any other record. And the thing about this Inter sign in particular, they got a perfect number two. They have uh, they have good components off the bench that they can use and they can switch in and out. Their starting 11 is probably the best in Europe on paper. Now, the best team in Europe is Leverkusen, but but on paper, Inter, Inter's 11 is better than anybody's 11. Um they brought in Summer, who's been great in goal. I mean, they have they have an answer to every problem that they could come across in the Champions League because of their bench and because of their starting lineup. So this is the best chance they're going to have because I'm thinking in my head, who's going to go? Who's going to go and stop them? City's not going to do it. Um, uh, Real Madrid's not going to do it because again, they're good, but they're too reliant on Bellingham, and they can't. And they again, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have beaten Leipzig. That they had that first goal, if it counts, it changes the game, and and it changes probably the tie as well. Um, they didn't look very good in that game. They looked good enough, but not very good. So I don't think they're out. Barcelona is Barcelona going to go and win the Champions League? Probably not. So they're out too. So who does that leave as a potential threat to um, anyone? Um, you go other England, Arsenal are probably going to really want to win the league, and I, I just don't think at this stage they can go and win the Champions League. So they're probably out of that equation too. And then obviously the non – Dortmund's not going to do it. Bayern's not going to do it. Um, Spain, you have you have Atletico Madrid, but I don't think they're going to do it because I think they're going to get beaten by Inter. So uh, after all that, PSG could, but I, I just don't think they will. So you put all that through the equation, it doesn't leave too many options for other teams to win if Inter do what they're supposed to do. So this, I think this is their best chance because if you put Mbappe with that team, uh, it's going to be very difficult for anybody else to win the Champions League next year. Yes, very good. Um, I, I, I was thinking too, I was watching some Bundesliga 2 soccer. Yeah. 
do you realize Hamburg hasn't been in the main league since 2018? Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> we, we, I think if me or you ever win the lottery, we should buy that team and then restore it to their for, former glory because this is embarrassing. I, 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 I don't understand. And they're still struggling to get into second place. They, how, and I believe right now I was looking at it. It's, it's this Cologne's Cologne side that's in 16th. Did, would Hamburg be able to beat them over a two leg stretch against Cologne? Yeah. Um, so who does Cologne have as a goal threat? They have Thiemann. They have um, I can't think of his name, but I know I I, I can see his name. Um, Asalesco, I think is his name. It's good good mm-hmm. striker. Again, got no sir. The, the reason Cologne is in the relegation zone. Is their best midfielder went to, to Leverkusen, and they didn't weren't able to replace him with anything, and they got totally ransacked on defense too. So they they got they lost a lot of pieces. But the question is, can could 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 Hamburg slow down the two attacking pieces that Cologne have over two legs? Again, even if the rest of the team is shambolic. They have a good enough goalkeeper, and they have two attackers who know how to score goals. So I would say no. Uh, now, uh, yeah, there's certain teams that maybe, like I, I think I think Hamburg could be Darmstadt. Even though, even though I like some of their players, I think they're not going to be able to do much. Um, if they ended up playing against Mainz, Mainz are dead. I, I think they beat Mainz, but if they Again, I think I don't think Bolcom will be in the in, in the, the bottom three this year. But if it's Bolcom, if it's Cologne, if it's Union, Union Berlin is a coin flip, but but probably they're not going to beat those guys either. So I think they're needing to be second. And I, I've been paying attention to the Bundesliga too. St. Paul is going to be promoted. That's the best team. Um, if you look at their numbers, you look at the stats, you look at how they play, you look at the the impact players that they have on their team that's been making a big difference. They're they are going to be in the Bundesliga next year. Then you look at second place. I think, I think Hostile, I, I know they're only in second place by a little, but I think uh, Hostile uh, Kiel is better than, uh, better than them as well. Uh, because I've seen, I've seen Hamburg go big, uh, you know, be in front by a lot of goals in, in certain games and, and lose and drop points and stuff like that. And then the other teams that are in that area. Now I think, I think Hamburg would finish third at worst case. Second or third, but I think they'll finish third. So unfortunately, I think they're going to have to go through this uh, relegation playoff thing again. And the thing is with that is whoever they play against, if they have a, stri- a solid striker, then they're then they're toast. Because uh, it's just the as, as good as uh, as exciting as Bundesliga two is, the competitive uh, of, of quality of the Bundesliga. You have these you have these strikers in those games sometimes from the Bundesliga side that have seven goals in the Bundesliga. If they were in the second division, they have seventeen. So if you if you go up against a team with a good striker, I think they're in trouble unless you have an ex- exquisite defense, and that's something they don't have. I hope they go through, and I I, I hope I hope St. Pauli gets in, and I hope Hamburg get in. Um, but it would it would be cool to see Hustin and Kiel as well, but. Yeah, I think I think they have good chances to still qualify for second, but I think if you're in third place, it, it's gonna. Plus, they've already done this game twice and lost both, 
So it's going to be mentally even, I think it's going to screw with them. So I think they really need to, to finish top two for sure, or else they could be in trouble. Yeah. Well, we need that, um, the Hamburg Derby in the, um, Bundesliga. Yeah, in the Bundesliga. Sorry. That would be, that would be the coolest. And one of them. Would those, you not agree? Yeah, 100%. And one of their teams, one of those teams is going to be in the Bundesliga next season. So how dumb are Hamburg going to feel when their biggest rivals get uh, get promotion and they're still sitting in Bundesliga too? You know? And not only that, their biggest rivals who fa- whose fans are so nuts, they don't want to be in the Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're happy with with being a, a ultra-leftist political club just sitting in the second division, getting drunk and watching the matches. Yeah, yeah, those fans are nuts. No, but I, I think it's going to be – I think it would be a bit of a collapse for them because I I don't even know how many losses they have, but they don't have many. They're, they're, they're really good this year. So they're getting, they're getting in. So if Hamburg watched their rivals get in and they can't get in, Hamburg is the bigger of the two sides, historically. But they're going to look foolish if they can't even get promoted. Now, if they win the Bundesliga, it doesn't matter. As long as they get in there. But if they watch their biggest rivals get in there and they're still sitting in Bundesliga 2 next year, you know, I think it's it's lighthouse time. Yeah. I'm looking up Hamburg's history. They have never, <laughs> never won the second league of Bundesliga either. This will be their first trophy for the second Bundesliga. Yeah. They have never won a cup, never made a cup final. Um, so yeah, they no, that's they, where we're at, right? Didn't they make the Champions League final one year? St. Pauli, I'm talking about. Oh, St. Pauli. Okay, got it, got it. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, Hamburg well, Hamburg's won the Champions League. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought. No, yeah. Yeah, so look at the two clubs. That's what I meant. Hamburg, St. Pauli hasn't even won the second Bundesliga. They've only won the third Bundesliga to get promoted. Yeah. They're like Millwall, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Millwall, exactly. But I think the fans are better. Yeah, the fans are way better, but but the, the same sort of idea. Um, yep. Nah, but that's that whole rate down there is going to be hectic. And obviously, Hearth is having coming strong lately. I think they're climbing up the table a bit, so maybe they get into that conversation, and obviously Schalke just don't get relegated. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Yeah, if they get relegated, I'll cry. If they get relegated, they should fold the club, in my opinion. Yeah, I just thought of, you know, it's it's unfortunate because I know what the, I know exactly what would save the club. What they need is a young player that's worth 50, 60, 70 million. Because if you if you think about it, if if Schalke had a Mbappe right now, Nick this next season they could sell him for a hundred million. They could get the finances that could fix the infrastructure of the club, and they would survive, and they wouldn't have to liquidate. The problem is they don't have a guy who's worth that kind of money. They have one player that that's worth maybe thirty five, um, and I just don't think those those sort of figures are enough to save the club. And it would need to be a huge. Um, a profit off off of a player to for them to save it. I think they're not going to get relegated, uh, but you no, know they're not. They're holding on for 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 life. They just got uh, uh, Brandon Soapy from Atlanta to try to help them a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a mess. I just don't want them to get relegated. I've kind of lost hope on them coming back to the Bundesliga, but at least don't don't go down to third division because we've no, seen. The- 
Go ahead. How, do you think they'll ever come back, or do you think it's going to be a five- or six-year thing? I, I'm, when I say n- not for a while, I mean in the next five years, I don't think they're coming back. Um, because we've seen, especially if they get relegated, then 10-plus then 10, 10 years probably. Because uh, we've seen um, – do you remember Armenia BFL, the team that uh, beat Bayern Munich or got a 3-3 draw by, in that Bayern Munich side that, that uh, went to the Champions League final? Um, yes, they won. So they they got that. They did well that one year or whatever. They survived. The next year they survived, uh, and then the next year after that get relegated, and then the year after that they go to the second division. They're in the relegation playoff, but the but the other one, the relegation uh, playoff between between Bundesliga two and Bundesliga three, and they got relegated again, and now they're in third division. And I actually don't think they're. I don't know how high up they're in the third division, but they literally went from the top of the the, the pile the third division in three years. So once you get to that point, which especially with Schalke, you're going to want to find a way to climb out of it. And if you get down to the third division after this season, then the, the chances of them coming back up after that in any sort of amount of time is, it's hard to imagine because of how difficult it is to climb the ladder. You know, I think at this, at this rate, if they get to the, if they're in the third division in, um, in Germany, I think Wrexham will be in the Premier League before they get back to the Bundesliga. Yeah, and that's sad thing. We're, we, we, I mean, I've been a Schalke fan when they were good. We, we are a massive club, and this is embarrassing. Yeah. I don't think they'll get relegated either, but could you imagine? They're not, like, but they, they, they probably won't, but they're still in the conversation, very heavily in that conversation. I just think because of the players that they have, some of the players that they have is enough individual to pull them out of that situation. But it's it's very close down there, and it's very scary because, again, you get down to third division, you're not coming back for a while. Yeah. And, I mean, they just need to because it, it's such a cool kit. It's such, they have a, Their stadium seats 60,000 people. Could you imagine how embarrassing that would be? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then there's the, the rivalry with Dortmund. Do you remember when um, what the, the Dutch guy, uh, Jan Huntelaar, do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Do you remember when he elbowed Marco Royce in the face during a derby? <laughs> that was like one of the best days of my life. <laughs> yeah. This was like, I don't know, five or six years ago. And this one when he was still in his prime. Maybe it was even before he made all those big moves. But I remember they were getting – and I think Schalke won that game. It was a big sort of – they were getting at each other the whole game. And there was just a moment where the, like the, the light bulb in his head just went red and he just wailed his elbow in the face of like Marco Rose's. I don't know if he broke his nose, but there was blood all over his face after doing it. He got a red card and sent off. Also the, the, the game where they went, uh, Dortmund was winning four now and Schalke scored four goals in the second half to, to get a point. So there were, there were some big historical, big moments in those games. Even last year, the, the Dorman goes up by two two goals to, to nil, uh, and then uh, without Julian Brandt, obviously, uh, and then Schalke come back and and find themselves alive. And they just got a bad luck of the draw the last game of the season against Leipzig, and for a moment they were they were safe because it was it was two nil, and then it was two two, and then I think of I think Nkuku just went crazy in the last twenty five minutes. I think they lost like six two at the end, but yeah. They're so so important to the Bundesliga, and you know you don't want to see those sort of teams go. All right, um, 
Do you, MLS season starts Wednesday. Yeah. Do you have any interest this season in anything at all? Um, I'll, I'll give it a look, uh, but not too much just because Inter kind of sucks. Um, uh, I, I've, yeah. I've seen some of the preseason. It doesn't look like they're going to be any good. It doesn't look like Messi's going to be able to do 30 and 30. Um, maybe, there, maybe there's some interest in it from, from once the season gets going, um, but I'm not going to be heavily invested in it. Um, I mean, Minnesota United just uh, fired their coach and don't even have like – they have an interim coach. They, don't even, they haven't even hired a legitimate manager that's going to lead them for the, the time forward. And they just cleaned house with a new sporting director and a new director of football and stuff, but they haven't even started the work of getting a legitimate manager for them. Um, as far as the league, no, not not as much. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch big games if there are some, but but yeah, I, I just don't have, I don't have a ton of interest in it right now. Neither do I. I'll go to I'm going to the city game on a March 20 against DC United. I don't even know the day. I'm going. I'm going to tickets for free, and I like going to games, but I don't think I'm going to actively seek it out and watch it this year. No, I'm going to go to games too, but I'm going to be the one guy in my seat complaining about the whole the, the performance the whole time, uh, just because. Yeah, it's it's just not heavily. You know, it's almost weird because you know how the the MLS game has like grown had grown so much, um, you know, since the its inception, and there's better players and all this other stuff. With all that said. The best version of the MLS was when it was the New England Revolution, the King of the Kansas City Wizards, DC United, uh, the um, Houston, um, what were they called? Dynamo, the Earthquakes, and all those teams yeah. were at the peak. And they had like Josh Wolf, they had uh, D Rosario, they had Clint Dempsey, they had, you know, all those. Like that era of the MLS was really good. Now, the league has grown so much then, since then. But that era was better than anything we've seen since. And that yeah, was like, it's grown, but it's so boring now. It's so yeah. generic. It was fun because th- th- during those days, the teams hated each other. You know, it, it, Houston and um, and um, uh, and uh, not Dallas, the other one, Houston and uh, San Jose um, uh, hated each other. So I mean, there there were a lot more rivalries. It was the Metro Stars and stuff with. When Tim Howard was there for, for a period, there was Columbus crew that had uh, McBride and maybe the players are better, but the style of play and the overall that it's just less, it's not exciting, you know, and maybe it's a better league now, but it wasn't as fun than, than it was then. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's, I guess the way it's kind of gone. Um, and yeah, that most isn't anywhere near cracking into that top 10 league in the world. I thought at, at a point that it was, but no, no chance. Well, if you, you talk to people around St. Louis, they say it's a top five league. Yeah, but I mean, that's yeah. Looney Tunes, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing is you, the reference point you're gonna have to compare it to, is probably like Russia, maybe the the Russian league or the Czech, not the Czech league, uh, the Russian league or the um, Danish football or. The Belgium League, the Belgium League is a little better than those teams, but the, that that's kind of the area where you need to be. Turkey, those leagues, and just for example, if you pulled Galatasaray and put them in the MLS, they would win every game. 
You know? Yeah. If you pulled Braga out of Portugal, put him in there, they win every game. I mean, even the lesser teams would, would do really well. So the fact that you, know, you can't even compete with that standard, I think is – and to be fair, I think the Saudi Arabian League is just as bad, except has a, a few more names. But, yeah, it's, it's not – there's not much in it other than, you know, what we've witnessed. And it's, it's all right, but it's not – it's not great. It's just – it's not a top 10 league, and I don't think it's anywhere near there at this point. No. By the way, the Scottish League, Celtic and Rangers are finally fighting for the title, and we're coming down to like one of the best finishes in world football. That's awesome. It, how many points? Put, two, and they're both at 26 games. Rangers says 64, Celtic says 62. It'd be cool to see Rangers win again. No, I want it, <laughs> but I'm also a Catholic. But yeah. to be fair, it would be cool. I, I I see exactly what you're saying. Just because Celtic have won so, and they had the one year with Gerard, and then Celtic won the next couple by like a bazillion points. And I'm not a big fan of Brandon Rogers. Brandon Rogers, though. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel Neither am I. But this is what I try to explain people. There's no rivalry slate. You can't build a rivalry like that in the MLS because the title can't come down to the regular end of the regular season. Yeah. You know, it has to be a stupid playoff. All right, before we go, I got my 10 questions. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Take it or leave it. First one, take it or leave it. Kylian Mbappe is the Ballon d'Or winner next year. Leave it because the English people will will make it sure it's Bellingham. I mean, we've if in, in recent years it's looked like the Ballon d'Or has been corrupt. Um, I, you know, I just think they'll give it to Bellingham because he's English and he's doing well, even though he's statistically, and people don't want to talk about that versus having a better season. But that's not my business. Just saying. No, I I totally agree with it. Sixteen assists. <laughs> Nobody has more assists than this guy, and and. And you notice how no one talks about him? That's because they don't want to talk about him because they know if they start mentioning Verts out loud, then the argument of the best young player in the world is going to weaken. But anyway, just saying. Yeah. All right, next one. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Rasmus Holland is incredibly overrated. The only reason he's getting so much love right now is because he plays for United. Wait, sorry. Rashford is what? Rasmus Holland, the kid from Atlanta that went to United. He's over. Okay. I say he's overrated, but the only he gets so much love is because he's on United. I leave it. I actually think that he's good. I think, um, uh, obviously, uh, I'm not saying that he's a world class player. I think maybe United fans are losing it a little bit, um, but I, I do think that he's he's been good, a really good player. I think he's got a, a nice future. I think he's nice to watch. Maybe he's a little overrated, but but for the the measuring stick that I judge it by, I wouldn't say that he is. Like hugely overrated. I think uh, in hindsight, that deal makes sense from both sides. Atlanta won, Man United won. Um, I mean, as soon as the team Man United starts getting better, I think I think he's good. Um, is he? You know, is he world class? Is he the best young striker in the world? No, I don't think so. Man United fans think seem to think so, but I, I think that he's a good player and and he's got a good future ahead of him. So I don't think he's he's overrated, but. Um, He's not underrated either. I think he's he's properly rated. Properly rated. All right. Next one, take it or leave it. And this is an interesting one for you. After this season, Thomas Tuchel should folk should try to find an international job and quit managing clubs for a little while. Hmm. 
Hmm. I'm going to leave it because I think now I've been criticizing Thomas Tuchel since he got the job, but I don't think he's a bad manager. Um, Bayern was never going to work because of the way it's set up because it went from Flick to Nagelsmann. Flick and Nagelsmann have very similar style to play. It's slightly um, – Nagelsmann's style is slightly more innovative, but they're, they're, the style of play is very similar. And that's why you saw last season Jamal have 16 goals, 16 assists last season. And that's why this season he's on 8-3 and three or 8-2 and two or 7-2, and two, whatever it is. Um, I think that the way it's set up for this team, the way he plays with this team is just wrong. Um, however, if, uh, if, if, if the jobs like, and I am not expecting these jobs to open up, but Hoffenheim haven't, haven't won a game since for, for a while. I think Hoffenheim, he'd be my top choice for Hoffenheim. Freiburg probably not going to open up because of the manager's been there forever, but he'd be a top choice for me for about five or six Bundesliga jobs. I just think Bayern Munich was not the one for him. The only reason I think he wouldn't go into international is because I think Germany is going to be um, – um, after Nagelsmann leaves, I think Klopp will probably go in, in uh, to replace him when he returns to the club. And I think uh, Tuchel could try a national team job, but he's not doing it for like a mid-level one. It would have to be uh, elite. So I think get a good Bundesliga job that plays his style, and I think he'd do a good job there. And He's not going to be – the top choice for many elite jobs anymore, but he could get a Hoffenheim, a Stuttgart type of job. Uh, Osberg, Glogbach, Glogbach need a new. I say that every year, but they need a new coach, and I think he could do a job, good job there. So I think there's several jobs in the Bundesliga that he could do a good job with, and um, so I think that's what he should do. But but we'll see. All right, this one's going to be tricky for you because I have a strong opinion on this. This is our fifth one, so take it or leave it. The USA in their group with Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia fail to make it out of the group of the Copa America because of Greg Berhalter's incompetence. So the group is who? Um, we, we have matched against Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia. Surely not. <laughs> I mean, uh, wait, so leave it meaning I think they're going to go through or, or, yeah, leave it me. People go through. I'm gonna, you know, maybe, maybe I am naive, but I'm gonna say leave it because they can't, they couldn't possibly. It's Bolivia and um, uh, Panama. Panama. Like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get smoked by Uruguay. You know, if if Darwin Nunes doesn't miss five setters, they'll win seven nil. Um, but. Could they not? Could they really not beat Panama and Bolivia? I think they're going to get through, and I think whoever's on the other end will absolutely cut their head off. Um, so I, I think they'll get knocked out immediately after the group. They won't win the group, but I, I, I understand that it's possible they could miss out because they're just they're a little choky. But um, oh boy. Yeah, I, I guess they get out of the group and then get smashed. I, I can't see them completely messed up. And, and here's why they're going to get smashed when they get out of the group, because you, you believe they'll finish second, right? Yeah, definitely. You, you know who they get on the next side, right? Brazil. Wait, who's who's in the group uh, Who's in the group that would be eligible for then? That would play the United States if the, next, if, if the United States finished second? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. They'd play either Brazil or, they play either Brazil or Colombia, so they would get their head – Knocked off. Yeah, Colombia. 
It's weird. Colombia is like a team designed to beat the U.S. And Brazil would just beat the U.S. because they have the players that they have. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like pick your poison. We can either lose because the other team it will is our our biggest um, sort of weakness, or we're gonna lose because Vinicius Junior is gonna run circles around us. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll yeah. be the way. Yeah. So, take it or leave it. Number six, Mexico makes the semifinal of the Copa America. No chance. Their group is ahead. Of, I'll I'll read you their group. Okay. So if they win, they'd probably face Peru, which would be on to the which would be their quarterfinal game. So the question is, could they make the semifinal? Yeah. Okay. Who who's in their group though? Mexico. So Mexico's group is hang on. Ecuador, Venezuela, and Jamaica. Well, who would they play if they finish second? Uh, Argentina. Oh, they're done then. Okay. Um, or Chile. I'll leave it. Um, the reason is I think Ecuador is going to win that group. Um, um, so I think the only way they would they would get to the semifinal. Uh, wait, who's who's in Argentina's group? Is there any team that could finish ahead of them in their group? Peru and Chile. Okay, no, I think Argentina win that group. So that means that the Mexico, in my opinion, would play uh, um, Argentina because I think uh, I think um, Ecuador has enough quality up front. They have a fullback that's going to win the Bundesliga with Leverkusen in all likelihood. And he he not only that he had one of the moments he scored the Leipzig goal, the one the ninetieth fifth fourth minute Leipzig goal that uh, kept them kept the winning streak going. Um, that you know, to end up winning it and then whatever. So I think that they're gonna they're, that Ecuador probably finishing ahead of Mexico in their group, which means Mexico, Argentina, and Leo Messi or not. And I, I assume Messi's gonna play one more time. But if he doesn't play and he retires beforehand or whatever, or if Messi's not a, a whatever. But even without Messi, they would they would not the Mexico wouldn't stand chance against what they have. Latar Martinez and Julian Alvarez up front is enough to. To you know, to take them out. So I don't think they made the semifinal. But if they do win the group and they end up with Peru, I think they can make the semifinal. But I think they're going to finish second. Yeah, you know the great thing about this tournament is the finals in Miami, in like a Latin America hotbed. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. All right, take it or leave it. Number seven. So we're we're this is Euro talk now. Take it or leave it. Number seven. If they would have allowed Russia in, they would have been a quarterfinal team. Yeah. Yeah, take it, take it, take it all day. Look, <laughs> everybody knows my stance on the fact that I think they should be able to play. Um, if they were allowed to play, they they definitely uh, would. Uh, they'd be more than capable of of making uh, the court finals. Uh, now, it de- depends on context, depend on groups. Who would they who would they be grouped with instead? Um, Nobody knows, sadly. Who's who's another? Um, Who's another team from their region that made it instead of them? I just, just if, um, um, okay, let's. What do you I'm, mean by region? Like the Baltics? Yeah, let's just say Ukraine. They make it not. I don't want to say that. Um, is there another team in that uh, region? Meaning, uh, Ukraine, Bosnia, Hungary, that sort of area. Did um Czech Republic? Czech Republic. Okay. Um, Serbia. Croatia, Hungary. Okay. Um, 
So did, did Hungary make it? Yeah. The group. All right, hang on. Let's see. Sorry, I just wanted. I just wanted to do a hypothetical. Hungry. Um, they have not. Let's see. Do they have the groups out yet? Yeah, they do. Hang on. I know that um, in Romania's group, Bosnia and um, um, Ukraine. Yeah, let's do Romania then, because Romania is in the same region. Romania will be the playoff winner B, and then you got Belgium, Slovakia, and Romania. So let's put let's put Russia in the playoff winner B. Could Russia get out of that group? Okay. A group of Belgium, Slovakia, and Romania. Yeah, I think they would. Uh, I think they would finish. I think they would win that group. I would say, I would say Romania finished second, Belgium third, and Slovakia last. So in that in that situation, um, Belgium would have. Okay, so so. Let's just through that pathway, they go and play uh, somebody. But I, I do think that if in a favorable result against whoever, they could do it because of Alexander Glovin. And he's not the only, he's not the only top player. But in any tournament that he's in, he's a top fifteen player in the, at the tournament. And I think he had a great tournament um, at the Euros last time. They were allowed in. Um, they have Alexi, uh, um, uh, the kid at Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, uh, Alexi Marinchuk. His brother, who's good, yeah, they have they have enough quality. I think top to bottom, I think they can make quarterfinals. Now in the quarterfinals, they're probably getting shoved around, but I definitely think they can make quarterfinals if they were allowed in. Yeah, that's I think the sad thing. I really want to see them in there, and I don't care if that's wrong to say or not. It is. That's people a, will say it's wrong to say, but we've been saying it the whole time, so I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. You can cancel me. We're, we're on the internet. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're going to give our opinions. Yeah. Um, By all right, the way, so I'm, back not saying, to... I'm not saying that they're right in the conflict. All I'm saying is let the, let the athletes participate. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Do you want to see who they got to play this? Russia played Iran, Iraq, Cameroon, Kenya, and Cuba this year, this past season. They, okay. they have not. Nobody will even schedule them. Yeah, we'll take them. <laughs> I think that would be. I would love to see the USA play them. Yeah, that'd be an actual test. I, I actually think I I think it'd be a good good tune up game for Romania before the tournament too, because again you you have teams with similar um, rosters in that group potentially. So yeah, I, I think that would do well. I really do, and and I thought they could make the court. I, I know they got downs in the group, but the last time, but they they. They played really well in, in a lot of those games. Yeah, I think they would do well, and I hope at some stage down the line they'll let them play again. Um, and I hope at some point uh, the te- the TV screen will tell us what country uh, Daniel Medvedev is from when we when we watch tennis. So yeah, or Rublev, whatever. Yeah. All those guys should have their have their flag on the screen. That's all I'm saying. But but yeah, I think they I think they can make the quarterfinals easy. Um, again, if they were just thrown in there, it's different because. In this situation, it's it's under the impression that that Russia are playing um, friendlies on on the, the track to uh, to to the, the tournament. But I think I think they could make the quarterfinals. Yeah. All right. This is the next one about the Euros. Take it or leave it. Germany does not make the semis. 
I don't have a lot of faith in them right now, by the way. I don't either. But I've I have I have the I have faith in number ten and I have faith in number seven. So that's that's really where my head's at with this thing. Um Can I can I put a hypothetical equation into this? Just and, and absolutely. Can, okay, so if Germany's front two at the Euros is uh, Max Biber from Hoffenheim and Nicholas Fulkrug um, from Dortmund, I think they make the semifinal. And I know they have not been playing well, but they're also pro- their problem is is simple. They don't have a good attack. The attack isn't good enough. Um, and I think that uh, Ma- Max Biber from Hoffenheim who's having a good Bundesliga debut season. Um, he's got all the, the, the intangible uh, requirements to be able to, to play at a high level and score goals. And with Verts and Musiala possibly in midfield, I think they, they could get enough opportunities. And Fulkrug is the one player on Germany lately that actually performs well and scores goals. So I think that he keep him there. And there's a few others. I mean, I don't want to go into too deeply, but there's a few others that I, that I, w- I would also take. I think uh, what Marvin Duckish has done at, uh, at Bremen this season, lost Fulkrug, who went to Dortmund still, is he's got them all the way up in seventh, nine goals for assists in the Bundesliga se- this season for a, a Bremen team is, is, is not an easy feat. So I, if you could throw him in there too as well, and there's a few others. But if they do make the right decisions for the Euros, I think they, may, they can make the semifinal. But in in a situation where those guys are not included, then I, I think they're out they're out well before that. All right. So last one, and this one's about Italy. Take it or leave it. Spalletti gets Italy to at least the quarterfinals. Jeez, Spalletti, can he make the quarterfinals? Oh, jeez. I don't. <laughs> I don't like this question because I don't like the answer. And uh, my answer is no, they, that he won't be able to. Um, because as good as Italy, I mean, Italy's decent now. Uh, they, they're, getting, they're getting results and they qualify for the tournament and it's, it's great that they have. But they're missing everything that everyone else has. What does Germany, Spain, um, all, these, all these top sides, France, England have? A elite, world-class or borderline world-class Young player, under 25, whatever. Um, and I don't think Italy have that. Now, if Bove goes, which he should, maybe he's in that re- – because, you know, I'm not saying that he's Kamavinga, but among the young talents in Italy, he's I think he's the best one. But he hasn't had a lot of caps for the national team. Um, and he's more of a, like, um, sort of like a bruiser, a tough midfielder. He's not the one who's going to push the ball forward and score goals. All the rest of the teams have someone like that. Germany has two of them. France has two of them. Um, Spain has multiple. Like, the problem is there. And then who's going to be their striker? Is it going to be Mobley? Is it going to be Blotti? Is it going to be um, the guy The guy at Leeds, Aganoto? None of those names convince me at all. The midfield, they're fine. Pretty, They're decent in the midfield. And they have... They have, I guess, Chiesa out wide. But I don't really like a lot of what the Italy team has to offer. I think the goalkeeper options are pretty grim, other than Donnarumma, who probably is the starter. The back line is, is okay, not great. The midfield's strong, but not excellent. And, the you know, the, 
the Italian attack just doesn't have. I mean, who? Uh, there's not really a selling point on an attacking player, um, not an attacking player, but in a striker like uh, Bellotti, Immobile, Moise Kane. Um, these names do not excite me, um, and I don't think they have a legitimate attacking uh, player that can can score regularly. So I, for that reason, I think they're 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 um, they will not make the quarterfinals, and I think they'll. I think they'll have a hard time getting out of their group too. I, I think they probably do, but the round of 16 is, is I think their tap out point. All right. Before we go, who's your donkey of the week? Um, hmm. Who's my donkey of the week? I'm going to say, okay, I have a couple. I want a reference, but one of them, I don't know the whole story. So I don't want to sound like if, – if I'm wrong, I don't want to sound like a jackass. Um, but let's go Let's go easy. Let's go Bayern Munich. Now, lose to Leverkusen. Everybody's losing to Leverkusen. Losing a Champions game in Rome to Lazio, not great. But to lose to Bolcom, Bolcom is in 15th. And, um, yes, they are a team that I don't think is relegated. They're also a team I have a sweet spot for. I just got a sweater uh, from, from that club that's going to be delivered to Um but I, I do think that you can't lose a game like that, especially when you lost. You beat them by seven goals or eight goals the first time. Uh, Kane hasn't done anything for a while. So I guess you could put Kane in it as well and Tuchel and all of it. I think Bayern Munich has been a flat-out disaster outside of Sané Musiala. No one else has really played well in that entire uh, three-, four-game stretch. Um, so that's one. The other one is um, – so I don't understand completely the um, – uh, the protests uh, the, uh, in the Bundesliga. But I'll just say this, interrupting every single match for about 15 minutes, I just think is, is at this point, um, you want to do it at the very beginning and throw your tennis balls and chocolates and remote cars and all this and, and bicycle, all the stuff that's being thrown. If you're going to make a protest, do it immediately at the beginning or after the final whistle. Because I think that the fact that we're we're here in this uh, Bundesliga thing, and this is they've been protesting for weeks. In in every game, the games have to be stopped midway through the game. They have to go back in the tunnel and then come back out. And then at the end of the game, there's 17 minutes of stoppage time. Um, yep. And then at you know, and then there's another 10 at the beginning of the first. It, it happened twice in the Bayern game, um, and then the Dortmund game as well. They had to they had to go back in. Like I, I understand with the protesting, and I kind of agree with the protesters, but do it at the very beginning of the game, and then don't do it after that. That's all I'm asking. I understand that. What's the protest over, by the way? So I know, I know very loose details about this. I've read a couple articles. Um, apparently, some of the rights of the Bundesliga, they're negotiating uh, selling it to a private uh, owner, a private sector. Uh, there were there were three people that they were going to negotiate with. Two of them dropped out, so there's only there's only one left in that thing. But they don't want to sell the rights to uh, a portion of the rights to this uh, company because what 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 I'm hearing about it on the streets is that it's it's a money grab thing where they're trying to take advantage of, of German football, and obviously the fans have no intention of stopping and doing this. And I actually don't have a problem with them actually protesting. I have a problem with the the way it's handled because stopping. Games midway through with the end of the games, I, I just think you do, do it at the beginning, and I'm fine with it because you know you delay the start of the game by 10, 15 minutes, 
But I understand their point, and I understand that they don't want their league being sold off. Um, and I know a lot of other leagues do this, but Germany is just a different sort of league than a lot of places. And they're very uh, – it's very community-owned, and they feel as if doing this deal is going to take away from what makes the German league so pure. Now, the English fans can that don't watch the league can call the Farmers League all day long. It is the purest form of, of a league – in Europe and doing this would, would jeopardize that to a certain extent. So they'd want to prevent this deal from going through. But I think it's just, it's just the timing of when the protesters are happening that I have a problem with, because I think it's unfair for the players and everybody to have to do 15, an extra 30 minutes a game and have to stop midway through matches to, uh, for, to, for, to clean it up. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's my only issue with it. Not the protesting exactly just the, how they're doing it, I think, is not helping anything. Anyway. All right, my friend. Well, very good. We'll talk again soon. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, come on, you gunners, and Ford's aroma. <laughs>